You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. This morning I want to talk about the captured the captured heart. We're going to look at um, Luke chapter 5, uh, about 11 verses there. But in the Proverbs it says, my son, could be son or daughter, don't discriminate there, it's all good. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. And one of the... Um, One of the things we need to recognize is uh, there's the place where um, God won't take from us those things he wants us to give. He won't take from us those things that he wants us to give. And we're going to look at how the process, at least part of it, I don't know how much we can get through all of it today, but... We look at the process of the relationship between Simon Barjona or Cephas or Simon or Simon Peter. Oh, that's the same person. But we're going to look at the process that he went through with Jesus as Jesus began to really capture Peter's Peter's heart, secure the devotion and um, commitment uh, that Jesus was really wanting Peter to give him. And God doesn't force that. Even though we owe it to him, you're bought with a price, the Bible says. God's commanded all men everywhere to repent, the Bible says. But he won't take that. You have to give that. Um, that's really what an offering is. When we receive this offering, we don't, each Sunday we receive offerings, we don't take them. You get it? It's what's in your heart that makes the difference so often in how things turn out and people can't see what is in your heart. The Lord does, and so he relates to us that way. But he really wants to win our hearts so that we will freely give ourselves to him. And I've learned that the more we engage in life with the Lord, the more real he becomes to us. And I think it's just a shame when God's not real to a person. Um, But for him to make himself known, we have to engage with him. And each of us have a tailor-made process that will enable and encourage us to grow and to develop. Have a tailor-made process. Everyone's different. Every process is different. We're looking at one this morning between Jesus and Simon Barjona or Peter. Jesus captured Peter's heart and released him into a destiny that became one of the greatest adventures anyone could ever have. And see, I think we've lost that. We've lost the reality that knowing Jesus, being a believer, being connected to um, the body of Christ, other people, is an adventure. I mean, I have certainly had an adventure over the last 50-plus years knowing the Lord. Um, So what I want us to do, if you have some device or your Bible or Maybe the heel of your shoe turns into a pictograph. I don't know how it all works now, but in John, we want to look at um, when Simon first met Jesus, and it, uh, it's in John 1, 40 um, through 42. Now, what had happened when you read this portion is that John the Baptist had disciples, and at a given point, he identified to some of his disciples that Jesus was that Lamb of God that he'd been, John the Baptist had been proclaiming. And so these two disciples connected with Jesus and they spent the day with him. And one of them was a man named Andrew who was Simon Barjona's brother. And so verse 40, it says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, 
We have found the Messiah, which translated means the Christ. Verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. So Andrew brings his brother, introduces him to Jesus, and Jesus looks at him and he says, you're Simon, the son of John, Jonah, same thing. You shall be called Peter, or you should be called Cephas, um, which means a stone. Uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is a pretty awkward introduction to anyone when they decide on the spot upon the first meeting they're going to change your name. So Jesus announces that Simon would become known by a new name, by the name Peter. Jesus knew more about Simon than Simon knew about himself. So what was going on here? And I think this should go on with all of us in our relationship with the Lord. He was beginning to reveal to Simon his calling, his true identity, who he really was from the very earliest stages of the relationship. Here's what I think Jesus was saying when he met Simon Barjona. I know who you are, but you don't. I know who you are, but you don't. And I believe that is a reality for every single one of us. We don't really know who we are. There are things I'm discovering at my age about myself, things the Lord's shown me, things he wants me to do um, that I didn't know. It's really, really interesting. I know who you are but you don't. How many of you can hear that this morning? So I believe that's true. So I want to look at the next um, episode, uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11. So I'm going to read this uh, to you. Verse 1, so it was as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That was Lake Galilee. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Say that with me. Launch out into the deep. Oh, oh man, forgot. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets, 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 nets. I know there's somebody here, so I thought maybe they're over there. Nets for a catch. Oh, okay. You can stop now. But. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing because they would fish at night. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nets, Jesus, net, Peter. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished. They were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. That's, that's, anytime the Lord does something, he almost seems to have to say that to us. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men, Jesus said. So when they had brought their boats to land, listen to this, they forsook all and followed Jesus. It's remarkable, such a remarkable story that Jesus could have that kind of effect on people. But look what he did, for goodness sake. 
Well, in verse 1, we notice that the multitude was pressing about Jesus to hear the word of God. And just in passing, I want to say that God respects spiritual hunger. And hunger is one of the essential ingredients to our growth. And it's one of the essential characteristics that also draws the presence of God. If you're hungry enough for God, he will come in his manifest presence, not just in the theoretical religious sense, so that you can know him. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be, the Bible says, filled. We have promises, and hunger is such an an essential um, ingredient. In verse 4 and 5, we see that when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, we've toiled all night. It didn't work. I don't want to. However, since it's you, I'll let down the net. And there was something I was thinking about when Jesus said, launch out into the deep. It's when we're in over our heads that we really find out who God is, both in good ways and painful ways, right? It's when we launch out that we can experience the fullness of his ways. It's not in the shallows. The blessing is not in the shallows. It's not in the place of safety. It's not where we can touch bottom. It's not where we're in control. That is not where you get to know the Lord in a profound way. How many of you want to know him in a profound way? Well, you're in for trouble. I mean, it'll be awesome. For 20 years before I was, uh, began starting churches anyway, I worked as a restaurant equipment. I designed and sold restaurant equipment, and I was a manufacturer's rep for a number of years. I did that for 20 years. And one of the guys I worked with, Oh, Ken Slocum, everybody remember him? He, uh, I was on commission. I think everybody ought to work on commission to figure out just showing up doesn't matter. You got to actually accomplish something. That, that's really, yeah. This, a lot of, a lot of people don't get that. Yeah. You need to do something to where if you don't make it work, you don't eat. That will really wake your consciousness. <laughs> It's a, almost went deep south on you there. That'll wake your consciousness up to reality. And everybody needs a dose, right? He used to say, the bee that stays near the hive don't get much honey. And what he meant was, if you're going to be successful, you got to get out there and get in the middle of it. you got to leave your comfort zone. And when you're a salesman, getting rejected is part of the process. Actually, it's the bigger part of the process, but you got to get out there. Caution at times is wise, but being in a place of trusting is the arena where we experience God in profound ways. But it's a little scary. How many of you would agree? Thank you. Well, Peter said to Jesus at your word, he had a word. Jesus gave Peter a promise that if he would do this, that would happen. As improbable as it sounded. But the truth was, it was only going to happen if Peter participated and acted in faith. You, you can't sit on the sidelines and become a spiritual giant. You really can't. Not that I'm one, but I mean, to whatever degree I am, you got to get out there. You got to participate. And for him to obey the words of a carpenter who didn't know the lake or have the experience, I think it was contrary to Peter's intuition. He had years of experience. His father was a fisherman. I don't know, maybe his grandfather. He lived on the lake. He knew the lake. But Peter was close enough to Jesus to hear him say, launch out in the deep, let your nets down for a catch. And I have looked at something I emphasized a few minutes ago and this idea about nets and net. Some commentators say that doesn't matter. Well, I think it does matter. And I'm a commentator. I'm commenting on these verses. 
here's Jesus, let down your nets. Here's Peter, I will let down the net. Jesus had nets level revelation. Peter offered a net level response. And look what he got with the partial. You know, people say total obedience is disobedience or partial obedience is disobedience. No, it's partial obedience. Why be so mean to everybody? Why make it so hard? Partial obedience and disobedience. You ought to get credit for something. Come on. I don't, anyway. Preach it. Oh, that was me. (laughs) But what might have happened if Peter, James, and John, if they'd all let down their nets? And then I can imagine this. I can imagine Peter thinking, now none of the rest of us would do this. I know I wouldn't do it. Who does Jesus think he is telling me to do this? Well, he knows who he is. Or he could have thought, what does a carpenter know about fishing? Because these are real people. This is a real situation. When Peter started preaching, they said, we don't know this guy. We know he comes from Bethlehem. We know he's a carpenter. We know his brothers and sisters. But who does he think he is? Well, he proves himself. He can let you know who he is. Turns out Jesus knew a lot about fishing. But Peter obeyed because he was close enough to hear. And there are hundreds of promises in the Bible that we can feed on to help us. But then there are things that God will specifically say to you, a specific word. And you have to know him well enough that you can trust that. Actually, this church uh, was started because of a personal word the Lord spoke to me 12 years ago. I, was, I think I was 59 years old. Nobody in their right mind starts a church when they're 59 years old. That doesn't make any sense. Well, welcome to walking with Jesus. Sometimes sense isn't part of the process. And Peter was explaining, we worked all night. We didn't catch anything. And here's here's something. Sometimes the breakthrough doesn't come until all our efforts are expended. Now, you can have, I don't know, I don't want to go there. Well, yeah, you can have a nervous breakdown. How many of you have ever had a nervous breakdown? I've, I've had, I've had one. I'm, I've got that t-shirt. I've, I have been so pressured in my mind before the Lord would ask me what I was afraid of. And I would say, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my mind. Can I be that open this morning? And he said, I won't let you. Well, that sort of, oh, he's got, oh. And he didn't let me. (laughs) I could see it from where I was, but he, he kept me. And there's a big difference in doing things for God and doing things with God. God will bless even the things he doesn't ask us to do that we think are really good things to do. He will, but he doesn't have to. And I would rather be doing the things he was telling me to do rather than the good ideas I've had and try to drag him into them. Because if I'm doing something he told me to do, he's invested, right? Yeah. That's a good thing to know if you're way out on a limb and you're here sawing. How did I get here? Well, he really told me. Well, this will probably work. Sometimes God blesses us and we can't figure out how or why it happened. Then I want to talk a little bit about this great number of fish in verse 6 and 7. Peter, oh man, Peter caught 
a month's worth of fish in one night, basically, which was probably around 1,000 pounds. They had to actually signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so both of them began to sink. I mean, it was just the most remarkable supernatural experience you could ever imagine. You're fishing at the wrong time, exhausted, been instructed by a carpenter about the best methods for fishing. And suddenly, it's unbelievable what you catch. It was supernatural. I believe in the supernatural. I believe God will do supernatural things for us. And I believe we can't control him. We can't get him to do it do things on our beck and call, but he will do remarkable things, remarkable healings, remarkable miracles, remarkable provisions. But we can't corner the market on how to get all that to happen. But I'm going to tell you this. This is part of why I am still here doing what I'm doing since 1970 when I met the Lord. Actually, 1969. It's because... God has gotten my attention through supernatural encounters with him all these years. He gets our attention that way. He stimulates our imagination that way, and he captures our hearts, and that's exactly what happened to Simon Barjona. God captured his heart through an amazing supernatural encounter. Now, Jesus said some interesting things. He said to Thomas, you believe because you've seen, but there's a bigger blessing. There's a bigger blessing who believe to those who believe and don't see. So don't misunderstand me and just start running after supernatural things. But I'm just telling you, it is a part and parcel of our lives. It can be. But I think about several verses when I see this unbelievable catch, Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And here's the part of the verse that is so remarkable. According to the power that works in us, we do not know what we have in Jesus according to the power that works in us. There are times the presence and power of God will come. You think he came from out there or up there and came down, but the reality of it was he came out. You have what you don't know you have. Jesus said, he that believes on me, something from heaven will come down and land on them. No, out of his belly, your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You have more than you know inside as a believer. Sometimes it takes circumstance and situations. It's almost like what we have is encased in a hard shell and you go through a breaking sometimes so that which is in you can come out. Now, he will touch you from the outside. I'm not being absolute in this, but I know what I'm talking about. Out of you can flow uh, liquid light, liver, livers, livers of living water, rivers of living water. You can impart livers to people. Well, by faith, you probably could. That would be awesome. But anyway... 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things God has prepared for those who love him. We have very little idea about the other realm that we have been born again and seated into, if you understand what it says in Ephesians 1, seated in heavens, Christ Jesus, heavenly places. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. There are marvels, there are wonders. There's experiences, there are promises. There's what God wants to do, what God is willing to do, what God could reveal to us that we don't even know. We haven't even had imagination yet 
about some of the things God may want to do in our lives or whenever we die and we're in that realm. Haven't even entered into the heart of man. I had a pastor years back, actually, just a great pastor I had for 10 or 12 years, my wife and I, and uh, Harry Bazell, and he passed away in January of last year, 2021. And recently, Don and I went went for a visit. And they had a ministry called the Lamb's Chapel, and then they had a... Um, they had a, 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 a retreat, a lodge in the mountains, and they would have people come up. That's after they left Charlotte and moved to the mountains. But Louise, Harry's wife, was telling us they had a hand-carved sign mounted over the entrance door to the lodge, and it said, you're going to love this place. Say, say that with me. This has a point. You're going to love this place. You're going to love this place. And that was the first thing people saw as they entered their lodge. Well, I guess Harry's been gone over a year. And when we were visiting with Louise a couple of weeks back, a couple of weeks back, she said that she had a remarkable experience with the Lord. She heard Harry's voice in inside. She heard not audibly, but she heard as it were Harry speaking to her and he said, "You are really going to love this place. Well, is that real? I don't, yeah, sure. Why not? Why, why not? Why couldn't that happen? Why isn't that cool? Man, we're wide open to some mean, nasty something somebody might've thought, but no, that's awesome. Could it be we have a brighter future than ever? Could it be that the Lord really meant it when he said, pray your kingdom come on earth? as it is in heaven? Does this church look like heaven yet? I don't think so. I mean, there's some things, right? Good th- But what does God have planned? Back to, uh, do you care if I go to one o'clock today? I'm not going to do that, but uh, give me an extra few minutes maybe. So Peter has this remarkable catch of fish and he's astonished and he falls down and he says to Jesus, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. Everybody was astonished. James and John, it says in verse 10, the partners, they were astonished. And Jesus told them, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. And verse 11, so they brought their boats to land and they forsook all and followed Jesus. Peter felt like a sinful man when he saw what Jesus could do. You have to think through this. Peter saw himself at his worst. Nevertheless, Jesus addressed his fear and made him a promise. Peter saw himself one way as a sinful man. Jesus saw him as he intended him to be or as he truly was. Believe it or not or like it or not, we need to see ourselves both ways at a given point. As Peter first saw himself and as Jesus saw him, who he really was in Christ, but here's, here's what happens. If we can, if, if we can understand, if we can be honest about the messes we are, that opens the door to not being that way anymore. It's, it's a grace, truth, reality. This can open our eyes to what I call the grace truth reality. The law came by Moses. This is going to, some of you won't get this and it's okay, but I believe I'm right about this. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Christ Jesus. So I think the law is one thing and I think grace and truth is one thing. If it doesn't have grace in it, it can't completely be the truth. But if it doesn't have truth in it, it can't completely be grace. 
Think about that. So when we see uncomfortable truths about ourselves and can admit to them, that's the very place where grace can do its transforming work. You own to disown. Arthur Burke used to say, you own to disown. You own that thing about yourself. You don't blame other people. You take responsibility, and that enables you to disown it and access that grace, that new nature. Some of you, uh, and, and that's what Peter did. Peter, Jesus didn't say, no, you're not an evil man. He said, here's grace to be who I see you as. Can you hear that? There's this lady, Anne Lamott. She's a piece of work. Some of you read her, read her stuff maybe. I like her. She's real. But she was saying grace is essential. Grace is spiritual, WD-40. You know what WD-40 is? As if something's stuck, you squirt that stuff on it and you can get it unstuck. How many of you are stuck need to get some, get unstuck? Grace is spiritual, WD-40. It finds you exactly where you are, but won't leave you there. See, people want this Jesus who will accept them as they are and then stay that way and justify it. No, 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 that's not the point. Yes, he receives you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Come on. Come on, people playing around, immorality, all that stuff. You really think that's okay? In what universe can you live in an immoral way and think God's okay with that? Man, have you been drinking the Kool-Aid? Give me a break. Can I be this up, up in your... Come on. Anyway, WD-40 finds you where you are but won't leave you there. Here's how she described herself. You may relate to this. By the end, before she really came to the Lord, I was deteriorating faster than I could lower my standards. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that. Grace is that substance that gets you unstuck. It's what it takes to lubricate and release your new identity. Oh, Here's the problem we have this morning. I've got 11 pages of notes, and I'm on number seven. <laughs> Peter, depart from me. Jesus, don't be afraid. Peter needed to learn what I'm talking about here, practically speaking, which is humility. Somebody, you know, you don't know how. Here's the truth. If you want to be humble, it's not hard. Tell yourself the truth about yourself. Here's one that will just absolutely mess your life up. The things that you don't like in other people are, are, are who you are. What? Well, just getting ready to... Join the Deeper Life Club now, ladies and gentlemen. You that judge, Paul said, do the same. Jesus talks about the speck in your neighbor's eye and the log in yours. Yeah, yeah. If you want to know what's wrong with you, listen to your criticisms of other people. You don't see it. Oh, man, come on. And one shouted, crucify him. No, I'm just telling you, I'm just trying to help you. I'm not trying to preach good, I'm trying to help you. Humility. Peter had to learn humility. And you never stop learning that lesson, I'm afraid that's right. And he learned it the hard way, some of this the hard way. And I don't believe God wants us to learn hard lessons. But sometimes it's, we just, it's just, it's going to work that way. But it's not the only way to learn. You know, going through a hard situation is not the best way to learn. You know what the best way to learn is? 
when someone else has already gone through a hard situation and you learned what they learned. That's a much, or the Holy Spirit. Here, listening to God. You don't have to, you know, we volunteer for some suffering. I mean, it's just the truth. We do. I could prove it to you, but I'm not going to. I don't have time, but it is true. Arrogance is one of the most dangerous attitudes we can have. I'll tell you, I will not be surprised if many lives begin to tank over the toxicity that is being expressed even by Christians in social media, in their criticisms, hostilities, and judgments of everything, the government, uh, people, pastors, preachers, churches, whoever. You're just nailing your own coffin. You're volunteering for a disaster when you just criticize people all the time. With the same judgment, Jesus said it'll be rendered unto you. You determine your own judgment. You just don't know you're doing it. And then you wonder, why is God so mean? You did it yourself. Come on. Oh, my. Okay. Verse Submit your, likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yes, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Then he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Guess where those verses are written? First Peter chapter 5 by Peter himself, who knew what he was talking about because of what he'd suffered, because he doesn't want us to suffer unnecessarily because he discovered that there was a better way. I'll talk about that again in a second, but they forsook everything. Have you done that? Is that what it means to you to be a believer? that you forsook all and followed him. Do you know that's the standard? That's, that's the basic? That's the entry level? We don't think that, but it is. Left everything behind. In their hearts, they left everything behind. How could those three men, Peter, James, and John, all three of them did it, forsake everything just like that? It's because they met him. They met him. They didn't meet a religion. They met a person, the person. They met him. See, this is about a relationship with him. It's not that they met the man shaking his finger in their faces and threatening them with his moral authority, although he could do that if anybody could. That doesn't work. They met the one who saw them as they were, showed them who they were, gave them the ability to be so much more. He let them make mistakes. Paul would say this, him we preach. What do you preach, Paul? Him. And we labor, strenuously present everyone perfect, mature in him. Paul didn't just preach rules and principles. He preached the person of Christ in such an effective way that people didn't meet Christianity or religion, but a person, a living person. Well, Peter, I'm just going to try to tie this up here. That was the beginning of Peter following the Lord with that great catch of fish. And Peter had issues. Turn to someone and say, one of us has an issue. <laughs> no, Peter, Peter had serious issues. He thought... He was better than he was in and of himself. And you don't say in and of himself. Though all men forsake you, he said to Jesus, though these bozos will forsake you, I won't. That was what he was really saying. Though all men forsake, well, there were 12, 13 up there. Though all men forsake you, I won't. And Jesus said, yes, you will. Matter of fact, before the rooster crows, you'll do it three times. And so... Peter does that. And the third time, when Peter did, while he was still speaking, he heard that rooster crow. 
And then Jesus turned and looked at Peter at that very moment because he was right there near him. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, I have heard this, and I think it's true. If he would have believed what Jesus told him, he wouldn't have have to gone through that experience. Are you listening to me? If Peter would have realized, yeah, I'm not any better than the rest of these guys, he wouldn't have had to, to prove that. I mean, all of them fled, the Bible says, when Jesus was arrested. But Jesus stuck with Peter. Ephesians chapter 2, it says God's rich in mercy. Rich. God's rich. God is wealthy beyond imagination in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? Well, so Peter had denied the Lord. People might have, Even his associates might have wondered if he was finished. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, an angel appeared and said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm going before you into Galilee. There you will see me. So he gave this promise. He said, go tell tell his angels, go tell his disciples and who else? And Peter. The only place that shows up is in the gospel Peter was connected to, which is the gospel of Mark. And John Mark, who wrote Mark, was Peter's spiritual son. The only place and Peter shows up was right there because Peter wanted people to know, Jesus had never, ever given up on me. Ever. Never. Not once. But there Peter was, denied the Lord. And then you go to John chapter 21. And this is that 40-day period between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. And during that period, he appeared to over 500 people at one time. And if you can record it and look at it right, he appeared to some of the apostles, some people. Over 12 different times, Jesus appeared to these people. And he said, go into Galilee. And you will find me there. So they were in Galilee and Peter said, uh, I'm going fishing. And who knows what he thought. He hadn't really been fully restored. That's the idea. We go back to what we're comfortable to. And some of them with him said, we're going to go with you also. So they went out, got in the boat. And guess what happened the night they fished? They didn't catch anything. They caught nothing. But in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, children, have you caught anything? Have you any food? Have you caught anything? And they answered him, no. And he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. When Peter saw that, John said to Peter, it's the Lord. Peter put on his outer garment and plunged into the sea. And here's what happened. Jesus fully restored Peter. On two occasions, through a miraculous amount of fish against all odds. And the thing is that um, Peter caught fish, but Jesus caught Peter. Peter caught fish, but Jesus caught Peter, called him a fisher of men. And Peter was the instrument at Pentecost that preached the gospel and 3,000 Jews from many different nations received Jesus and got saved and were baptized. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter was the first to preach to the Gentiles. The household of Cornelius got saved and it opened the door of the gospel to the whole world. Now, 
Jesus wants your heart. I could have music up here. We could really make it sweet. We could. No, we're not going to. I don't want it to be sweet. You know, uh, we try to. Here's a question. How many of you here, after listening to what I've said, want to renew yourself to Jesus? You want to give him your heart. I want you to stand up. If you've heard this, no sweet music, no none of that. But you're, there's a call out, and you don't have to get up. Maybe you, I'm not, it's not, no, this is for you. This is not for me. I don't, I don't it's a, You want to tell him, Lord, here I am. Let's pray. Why don't you bow your head, and if you want to pray this, you can pray with me. Lord Jesus, you caught me. You caught me. I'm yours. I I want to follow you. Let's say that. I want to follow you wherever you want to take me. And, and with your help, do whatever you want me to do. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's just wait one second. Well, I'll go ahead and do this part, Casey. Um, We have, uh, if you need prayer this morning, if you'll come up over on this side of the auditorium, we have a prayer team that would be glad to pray for you. And thank you so much for being here this morning. Andy and Amy are celebrating uh, one of their anniversaries out west, so they're not here, but they'll be back next week. And let's do this. Let's pray that God would touch everyone in the building that needs healing. Who needs healing? Yeah, stand up if you need healing. Let's do that. Do you know it's been estimated that 80% of Jesus' ministry was healing? If you actually measured it and went through it, 80% of what he did as he walked the earth was healing people. And so we pray, Father, we ask you to, we ask you to heal this morning. We ask you by your spirit to release that which Jesus stripes, that which the cross procured for us. That which you have, Lord, to Release to us. So, Father, release. Put your hand over your heart if you need healing. Just put your hand over your heart. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, out loud, let's pray. Lord Jesus, (laughs) I'm asking you to heal me today. Heal me today. I invite you, Holy Spirit. Touch me now. Let the health of Jesus come. Let the health of Jesus come. We're part of the body of Christ, and Jesus is not sick. Something's in the way. Jesus isn't sick, and we're born of his bone, flesh of his flesh. We receive the life of Jesus this morning. I do in my back, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we don't have... um, What do you call it? The right way to do this. We don't have the formula, but we have you. We have you. Walk through the room. Whether we're in faith or not, walk through the room and heal us, Lord, by your spirit.
I, I pray particularly for people who are having trouble sleeping. Who's having trouble sleeping? Yeah. Stand up if you're having trouble sleeping and wave at me. So, Father, heal the people that are having trouble sleeping. I'm thinking about people who have trouble in their feet, maybe fallen arches or something like that. Anyone here with trouble in your feet? You, you and you and you? We ask, Lord, whatever that is, that you would fix it. Fix feet, Jesus. And I think there's something about... um, Is it larynx or, yeah, something wrong with your throat? Is there someone here that has a throat problem? You have trouble with your voice uh, going out on you? Anyone here like that? Over here? Well, touch Casey, Lord. Lord, we don't have a formula. We have you. We didn't try to do music. We decided just to go at this like we are, Lord. Heal. Release, Lord. Okay, folks. If you would like more prayer, come up front. We've got a team. Be glad to pray for you. And have a great weekend. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I hope I see you before then. (laughs) Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.